passage about him talking about those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about those who have passed away already. Okay, why is he talking in this sleep phrase? In the ancient world, that's actually how they started to talk about death. They called it sleep. But what we might not think, because in our modern day, we think of sleep, we think of nap, we think we're going to wake up. But at that, at that time, they thought of death as an eternal sleep. Ancient writings of philosophers would talk about it like this. They'd say, hopes are among the living, but the dead are without hope. Suns may set and rise again, but we, when once our brief light goes down, must sleep an endless night. So this sleep language was talking about an endless slumber. It was the common view of death and eternal rest. No resurrection no future beyond this life, no hope. Only loss and decay and sorrow and despair. And I think, honestly, for some of us, we're coming into tonight just feeling the weight and the fear and the hurt of death in our world. Nothing great to come, nothing really great to look forward to. Just feeling like this is heavy, this sucks, or maybe it's less existential than something about death, but maybe it's just the weight and insecurity of current anxiety, things consuming our attention, just overwhelming, whether that's stress with school, family problems, relationship struggles. You came in here feeling like the pile of junk on your plate is just a little bit too hard to carry. So, I'm just thankful that Paul follows up with this, with a a bit of perspective for us, because maybe that's what we need coming into tonight. We just need a perspective to take a step back and look at our life zoomed back. Okay, would you continue reading in verse 15? For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Guys, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, we will be caught up with him in the air. Whether we pass before he comes or whether we are still here when he arrives, we will be caught up in the air and we will meet him and we will always be with the Lord from then on. Guys, what if we knew that this was going to happen? Like had such deep confidence that this was not only going to happen, but going to be amazing and going to be something that you want to be a part of. This is part of the end of the story that we shouldn't ignore, a future reality that should impact how we live now. Like if we knew that this was going to happen, what would this change about our today? What would this change about our tomorrow morning, our future goals 
I think that if we were to look at this and place this rightly in our perspective, what we would have is stubborn hope. Hope that would see a day when Jesus would return to make all things right. And we would have stubborn hope. This reminded me of another high school story. Um, when I was in high school, I lived with my parents. Who all lived with their parents in high school? Everybody, okay. Uh, I lived in the basement. I lived in the basement, and I would uh, enjoy the slumber that I would have in the basement. It would get nice and dark. Plus, the Miller family were real good at napping hard and sleeping through a lot of things. Some of you, I've I've talked about my sleeping habits sometimes from stage, about how difficult it is to wake up sometimes. Okay, that happened in high school. That's really, really started to happen. Basically, I would uh, be having an alarm set, and there's this weird phenomenon that would start to happen where I just wouldn't wake up to my alarm. Kind of strange. But it wasn't that I was just, like, hitting snooze. It was that my body literally would not register what was happening. So the alarm would be going off for, like, five 10, 15 minutes, and I would just be cashed out still with the alarm right next to me. But the alarm was loud enough because I was trying to wake myself up. I'd have it on the loudest setting that my family, like two floors up, would be able to hear my alarm going off. So there became this rhythm where my mom would actually, oh, she's the best. She would come down because she would hear my alarm. She would wake up from my alarm, and she would, like, walk down to the stairs and, like, Come around the corner, start walking down the stairs, and wake me up. Okay, weird thing though, this is where it gets strange. Because now, I would have the alarm going off, my mom would wake up, she would walk down. But then it was the moment that she started coming down that last flight of stairs that I started to wake up. What? She didn't say anything. It was just that she started walking down the stairs and got close to me that I started waking up. Okay. Then it got weirder. I just stopped using an alarm clock. I was just like, well, mom's just going to wake me up anyway. So I'm just going like, to stop using my alarm clock. And then she would walk down to get me. She was so kind for doing this. I don't, I don't. She did make me learn the hard way a couple times. But most of the time, she would walk down. And as, she, as soon as she would the top of the last set of stairs, I would wake up with no alarm. She didn't say anything. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Okay. What was happening in that moment? It was what I was expecting about what was going to happen in the future really impacted the habits that I was making in that moment. I just stopped putting on the alarm clock because I was so confident that I was just going to get woken up by my mom. I think that this is just a principle true about the way we live, that if we have different thoughts, if we have certain thoughts about what's going to happen in the future, it's going to radically impact the habits and the steps that we're putting in place now. Thoughts we have about the future impact present reality. So when we live in light of the eternity to come, of Jesus coming back and restoring all things, and being with us forever, when we live in light of that, we would have stubborn hope, so certain that we will live in glory with Jesus that we would even now want to start fixing our minds on eternal things, to get excited about what it would be like to live in glory with Jesus. 
Guys, really practically, I think the reason some of us are, like, stressed out about finding the right job or, like, trying to perform well in school is because we were made for purposeful and fulfilling work. That will happen in the new world when Jesus comes back. Purposeful, fulfilling work in the new world. The reason we're seeking for pleasure through attractive partners and through like vibrant sex life is because we were made for pleasure. We were made for satisfaction even through our bodies. And in the new world, we will be completely satisfied. Your eyes will always be filled with the beauty of a redeemed world, your body will be glorious and redeemed, with which you'll be able to explore the beautiful wonders of the new world. And the reason that we hate the injustices of our day is because we have a desire to live in a world where everyone is treated with dignity and honor and where we would serve one another with respect and true value, all wrongs in the new world, will be made right when Jesus returns. This is the type of hope that we can have in the future new world. The things that we can set our minds on now when we live in light of what's to come. Like what, what if we made it a habit just all the time? A habit to look forward into what's to come and just get excited about what life will be like. We can prepare for eternity by inviting God into the everyday and spending time with him now. Guys, that's where hope is found, in like knowing God and God knowing you. From deep confidence in the gospel that has brought you right relationship with him. That's where hope is found. But the hope was not meant to just stay with you. Because what about all of the people who have never heard? What about all the people who have never heard the name of Jesus, let alone the full gospel message? How will they have hope that lasts? They won't. Not until they hear and believe Guys, Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the way to know God, and no one comes to God except through him. So for the people around the world who have not met Jesus, they do not know God. They do not know hope. They do not know eternal life, not until they hear and believe. This didn't really sink in for me until I actually went overseas for a summer. We've got these summer trips that happen every year where we get to send a couple teams and go abroad to the other side of the world and get to see what it's like to be on mission and to go meet other college students and develop relationships with them. And this this was after my sophomore year at the U, and honestly, I was just kind of an impressionable, like, adventurous, man, I want to get out there and go do something sweet. And so when the applications opened, it wasn't anything super glorious about feeling really holy and feeling like, man, I can really, like, make a difference for God. Honestly, it was something of 
man, I just want to like go on a sweet adventure. And I, they keep telling me that, that God can use me and it would be a sweet opportunity to like have deep relationship grow with him over the summer. And so I was like, sign me up. Let's do this. But an interesting thing happened. I started spending time in this unfamiliar place and seeing the beautiful things, but it was really the people that I was meeting that was making a difference in my heart, and God started to just stir something up. I had heard the Great Commission passage before, but it really started to land a certain way. Let me read it for you quickly. It's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Some of the last words that Jesus is saying, he's saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This was just like such a sweet passage that started to get me really excited about what it would look like to be overseas and to reach other nations with the good news and to teach them about who Jesus was and what he had done. And so I was able to go to Wuhan, China. I didn't know really about Wuhan very much, but now we know quite a bit about Wuhan, China, honestly. Want to know something crazy about the city? 11 million people there. 11 million. For context, the Twin Cities have 3 million, just under 3 million. So Wuhan had 11 million people. It spans like 3,000 square miles. It's dense and wide. And there are 100 universities in Wuhan. 100. Think about how many college students are there. So we would go on to these universities and me and my buddy Cole. Cole's a great dude. He's taller than me. Really good at basketball. They loved that he played basketball. They loved the NBA. And, uh, but the weird thing about Cole is he hated the food there. Honestly, he hated rice. How do you hate rice? Then we were one time we were eating uh, at this sweet restaurant. Everybody was enjoying their meal, but he hated the rice. And so he went to pour, he poured Pepsi in his rice to make it sweeter. Gross. I still haven't tried it. You guys should try it. Maybe it's better than many things. But he ate Snickers for breakfast because he didn't like the dumpling, like the bautza that we would eat. Snickers for breakfast and Pepsi rice. Anyway, love Cole. He's a trooper. If he can do it, so can you. Uh, we had a great summer together. We would go around to these universities and we would play basketball with them. And I remember going up to a couple people and we would shoot baskets and we wanted to start a conversation with them. And all these college students, they actually have to take English for their college credit. So we would be able to hold a conversation with them. And so we would ask them like, hey man, who's your favorite, who's your favorite NBA player? And a lot of them would say, oh, Steph Curry, so good at shooting the three, you know? And we'd be like, oh, me too. I love Steph Curry. I love Steph Curry because he's a Christian. Do you know what a Christian is? And then that's how we would, like, start a deep conversation and introduce the name of Jesus. Because, guys, the thing about these students is they would hear these stories about Jesus and of Christianity from us, but then at the end they would think, Man, I, Christians are just white from America. That's not something that I can get in on. 
That's just something for your side of the world. Chinese, we're not, we're not Christians. And it was this beautiful opportunity, just a sweet opportunity to just tell them, guys, hey, actually, anybody can get in on this. It didn't even start in America. But we came because we just want to, like, tell you about how awesome Jesus is. And this is something that you can get in on as well. Our time there, this is what began to happen. I would just, like, walk the streets with my buddy Cole. I would start to look into the eyes of these people that we were passing by. And it really began to sink in just how difficult it was for them to even access the good news of the gospel. I would really start to realize that these people had never even heard the full gospel message. These people had never read a word from the Bible. They've never been told about the free gift of salvation. And they have no hope for eternal life spent with their creator. That was the reality for most of these people, and it started to grit me that not only would they feel this current separation from God and this striving for perfection, but that that would be their eternal experience without hearing the good news of Jesus. They did not have a message of hope. And it started to get me thinking just about the other places that are so unreached with the gospel. The reality that there are places out there with zero access to something like what we're doing right now. No opportunity to come find the good news of Jesus even if they wanted to. Massive cities and countries all around the world where there is nearly no access to the Bible. Nearly no access to Christians. People wouldn't be able to even talk to a Christian if they wanted to. There's a quote from the Joe Project that unpacks this. They say, It's a great injustice to think that 2,000 years after Jesus gave the Great Commission, that many people groups would have no witness in their midst. To say that a people group is unengaged means that there are definitely no missionaries, in all likelihood, no outreach, no church, or fellowship of believers, no Christian materials, and few, if any, Bibles in these people groups. The gospel is a message of hope. So who's going to go and tell these people the message of hope? Who's going to go to them? They need to hear it. The peoples who have... No one even attempting to reach them yet. The ones with no Bibles yet translated into their language. The ones with no internet access. Who's going to go to them? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. Jesus is sending out his disciples saying, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It was after this that Jesus would ascend to the Father and send his Holy Spirit down. His physical presence left, but just as he said, his Holy Spirit, which he said was better, would come upon them 
And that's where we're living right now. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. So who will go and, send and tell them? Who will go and tell the people the good news of hope? You. You can. You've received power by the Holy Spirit, and you will be Jesus' witness to the end of the earth. You are plan A for the gospel to reach the ends of the earth, the message of hope to reach the ends of the earth, just as it came to you on its way to somebody else. That's how this thing is going to go. You are a herald of hope. You have the message of free salvation, the spirit of power, and an opportunity to invite anybody in on it. So what if we went? What if this room just decided, man, I want to leverage my resources to share the message of hope to people who have never heard before? What if you leveraged your life to go and deliver the gospel to hard places, even at a great cost to yourself? Maybe that means going to an unreached people group. But maybe that just means going to your roommate tonight. Hard places, worth it. When it grips you to your core that eternity is coming, there's nothing that you wouldn't do to get the message of hope to someone who needs it. Soul Company, that's what God did for you. It gripped him with such compassion to see that you were without hope. Because your rebellion against God was so significant that you couldn't save yourself. And so God, being the missionary that he is, sent his son Jesus to come and get you. Jesus came down as hope himself that if anyone would come to him, they would find eternal life. They would find the rest that they were after. And it was at great cost to himself that he paid the penalty of sin for us on the cross, Jesus came the first time to die for you. And he's coming the second time to live with you. This is our hope to come, Salt Company, that all of history is pointing in one direction. The redemption of all things. Would you look again with me at verse 16? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead, will the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Soul Company, hear me on this. The return of Jesus is going to be absolutely breathtaking. Like, just, just imagine it for a second. The beautiful thing is that whether we have passed on yet or whether we are still here, we will all be gathered as God's people. That's the point of the sound of the trumpet of God, to gather his people. 
it's going to be amazing. Something that, something that I want to be a part of. Something that you want to be a part of. But I love how personal it is. For the Lord himself will descend. Guys, he's coming back. Yes, for the eventual redemption of all things. But he's coming back because he wants to meet you face to face. He wants to meet you face to face. Uh, All these stories, thinking back to when I was able to go to China, got me thinking about one of my, uh, one of the dudes that I was just able to walk with in that season and encouraged me greatly in the faith. His name's Clint Robinson. He was my host, my missionary host there. Him and his wife are long-term missionaries now in Bangkok, Bangkok, Thailand, but they were in China with us. And he's been one of the most encouraging dudes in my walk with Jesus. They were just such an example of hospitality and encouragement and uh, him and I were both drummers, so we got to just like bond on that right away and became really sweet friends toward the end. But one of the things about Clinton and Miranda is as they've been living overseas, they've wanted to adopt a boy from China. And so they were able to, through quite a ways of the adoption process, and pursue adopting a boy named Solomon. And all the papers have been in place. They were able to get all the way up to the line until COVID hit. And then they had to leave the country before they were actually able to pick up Solomon. It was already in place. He was legally their kid. All the steps working in the right direction. But they weren't actually able to go pick him up and meet him. I couldn't really even imagine what this would have been like, being Solomon, right? Just a couple of years old, having heard that you've been adopted, having heard that you've got a home waiting for you, a family waiting for you, yet only what you're able to see is just images and videos and hearing stories about your parents. And for Clint and Miranda, loving parents that were so excited to meet their son, but weren't quite there yet. Friends, our Heavenly Father, He's adopted us. He has adopted us, and He is so excited to meet us face to face. He's so excited to come and be with us and give us a warm embrace and welcome us home into our eternal, redeemed home. When Jesus returns, he will be inaugurating a new world. We're not just going to stay floating in the air. No, this will be just the beginning of Jesus' full rule and reign on a physical world where we will dwell with him, complete redemption, all things put back into place. Revelation 21 speaks of what this new world is going to be like. Would you look there? With me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. The sea here refers to chaos. So it's saying the chaos was no more. 
And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So, company, this is the hope to come. A place of peace. That we would be fully with God. God would be with us and we with him. He will always be in our midst. Guys, that means that it's not even going to be possible for us to doubt his nearness. The thought of loneliness or abandonment will never be in our mind. Our hearts will be full because we will always be with our king. No more tears. No more pain. All things restored. This is the kingdom that Jesus is bringing back. He wants you to be a part of it. You can get in on this. Would you wait with me in anticipation and stubborn hope? Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this just sweet promise. A sweet picture of what your world is going to look like when you return, Lord. Thank you for a message of hope. God, and I think uh, sometimes when I think about how you're going to come back, sometimes that can make me think that right now you're far. That because you're not back yet, that you're not actually with us. But God, what we know is that that's not true, that you are here. God, you're even in this place right now. So I pray, Lord, that we would just acknowledge your presence right now. Father, I pray that as we sing, that you would just meet us. Show us your face, Lord. Give us hope so that we can wait in anticipation for the day when you will make all things new, God. Thank you for this reality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you guys to stand as we continue in worship. Uh, Psalm 124, the last verse says, Our help is in the Lord, the maker of the heavens and of the earth. Um, So as we continue worshiping together tonight, uh, I just have hope and trust in the